The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. I think we're having an end of the week bonus money special with Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent, because there's three things we need to talk about, please, Charlie. First of all, maybe a positive one, an initiative by Bank of Ireland to help people who are trying to sort out their Ulster Bank accounts and who might want to move to Bank of Ireland. Tell us about this. Yeah, Matt, you know the way banks don't open on a Saturday, don't open on a Sunday, used to close, still do close very early. Um, well, Bank or, of or sorry, ta- or Charlie, are they just closed their branches entirely? Uh, or closed them entirely, which we've seen with, in the case of Bank of Ireland with 99 of the branches. AIB have done it with quite a few of the branches um, uh, and, and tried with another 70 to totally downgrade them and not accept cash in them. But this is a good move, I think, anyway. I, I, you're right, Matt. You know, um, basically, uh, Bank of Ireland are going to open 61 of their branches on a Saturday from next, next, um, next month to basically allow people to, um, you, you know, do that switch. Because I mean, a lot of people need to go into the branches uh, to, to, to switch accounts. Uh, and so, you know, this is a good move. At least there's going to be some more options there. You need, if, if you're going to open a, 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 a joint account in particular, you need to go in and sit down with somebody to do it. So this is a good move. Um, uh, 61 branches across the country. There are places from everywhere in say, in Drogheda, in Loud, in Navan, Castlebar. They're, they're the bigger ones, really, Matt, I suppose. Quite a few in Dublin. So. It, it appears, Charlie, there's a hell of a lot of people still haven't actually sorted themselves out, despite the regular advertising that Ulster Bank is doing, and indeed KBC Bank as well. That's right, Matt. You know, still quite a few people, and these are more, probably the more difficult cases as well. Still quite a few people who haven't opened a new account, you know, um, even though quite a few have opened an account, may not have gone through the process of switching to this new account and certainly haven't closed the old account. And there's good reasons why people are not closing the the old accounts. Only a quarter of of the accounts in KBC and and Ulster Bank have been closed because people are just being careful here. Just in case there's a problem, they're going to take a while to close that account. So, yeah, there's still quite a few people who are, hanging on there and haven't done anything about it. They're kind of, it's at the back of their minds. They know they have to do it. They're hearing the ads. They're getting the letters from the bank. They know that if they have an Ulster Bank account or, or a KBC, they need to choose something else, choose either another account with a bank, go to a credit union or a, a Ampost or Revolut or one of these. But um, So look at Here's here's you should make it easier for people who have to work uh, Monday to Friday. Here's an option. The, the branch uh, at Bank of Ireland should be open until about 12 o'clock, I think it is, from memory. Uh, and hopefully the others will do this as well. Permanent TSB and Bank of Ireland puts it up to them. And AIB, something similar. Yeah. Sorry, a- a- sorry, AIB and Permanent TSB puts it up to them now to do okay. something similar here, Matt. They're going to be open between 10 and 2 p.m. on Saturdays for, for the four weeks of October, the Bank of Ireland branches. i sure, Charlie, for a lot of people, they grimace every year when they get the reminder that they have to uh, send in their home insurance premium uh, to get cover. Uh, its price is going up. In the first place, can I ask you, is home insurance compulsory? Is compulsory, for example, as part of your mortgage? And if you do own your own home without a mortgage, do you actually have to have home insurance as well? Well, you don't have to have it if if, if, if you've paid off the mortgage, but if you still have a mortgage, you're required to have it. And they, they'll want to see the evidence of it if you've changed insurer, for example. You'll have to stay, you'll get a letter from the insurer, sorry, from the mortgage people saying, well, you know, we, you know, have you still got insurance in place? Where is it? Who, who, who is it with? Because 
it's very important and you would be foolish if you you know uh, to to let it slip and, and and not renew the insurance now some people do it and there'll be more people doing it now coming this coming winter because you know we're facing a financial squeeze but you'd be very foolish uh, not not to renew the insurance or keep the insurance in place because if something goes wrong how expensive can it be it can be blinking expensive matt and um you know it's getting more expensive as well and people are being reminded that if something goes wrong and there's a catastrophic fire or even, you know, when your house is even partially destroyed, it's becoming more and more expensive now to to replace what you have. The rebuild costs are up by about a fifth, uh, you know, anywhere between 14% in Dublin to rebuild a home to 26% in, in the likes of the Northwest uh, because, you know, obviously the, every every contractor in the Northwest is busy trying to rebuild mica-affected homes. So, you know, you're talking about rebuild costs which have gone up by 56,000 euros in Waterford, uh, you know, 44,000 in Dublin. And, 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 and this is from the Society of Chartered Surveyors. The, these are the people who they do it. They do a home rebuild calculator and guide every year. They haven't done it for 17 months. So they're saying, look, since they they last did it, there has been a huge surge in the cost of rebuilding a home due to construction inflation uh, and, you know, labour costs have gone up and the price of timber. Does that suggest, Charlie, that a lot of people might be underinsured because they take out a premium every year, they pay a premium on the assumption that a house will cost X amount to rebuild, but it actually might cost X plus 20%. That's exactly it, Matt. You know, and uh, now some of the insurers are indexing, index linking the, 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 the rebuild costs. Others are not. You know, if you were a good broker, they're probably going to do this for you. But I understand the central bank is going to write to all the insurance companies next next week, uh, to all the chief executives and tell them, listen, you do not leave your your customers underinsured here. So, but people need to do this themselves as well. Uh, you know, you need to work out what it's going to cost to rebuild your home. There is a calculator on the SCSI website, the Society of Charters of Areas Ireland, uh, where they give it per square footage for a typical rebuild cost of homes across the country. But it's very important that you do this because, for example, Matt, supposing you're insured, you, you, the rebuild cost of your house, like you know, in the event of a fire. And, you ha- and the house is totally destroyed. You still have the land it's on. But to rebuild it, say you have it down for €270,000. But you go out looking for contractors and they say, oh, no, no, that's going to cost about €360,000 to, to, to rebuild it. The insurance company will still only give you 270000 So, look, you're about a quarter, um, a, a shortfall there, about a quarter or €90,000. You'd have to find that €90,000 yourself. So look at, you know, that's a pretty stark warning. But unless you have the rebuild cost, you know, up to where it is at the moment, you won't get the full money from your insurance company. They'll they'll wriggle out of it, Matt. And, you know, they're using this as an excuse now to put up premiums. So be very careful as well. Just at a time when they stopped being discriminating against people, you know, this dual pricing thing where they charge loyal customers more than people who shop around. They've been stopped doing that. But Here's an excuse for them now to put up premium. So you need to be very careful. Go to a good broker and make sure you have an accurate, accurate uh, cost of rebuilding your home uh, when you go to insurers. Okay, now let's move on to the highly controversial issue of the profits being made by energy providers. We're hearing that because their costs have gone up, that they have to charge more. How much money did ESB make in the first six months of this year and how did that compare to the money ESP made in the first six months of last year? 
Okay, Matt, if you take ESB, which is state-owned and it owns Electric Ireland, the biggest uh, electricity provider in the country with about 1.2 million households uh, getting their energy from it, it made profits after tax and exceptional items of 390 million euros in the first six months of this year. That is a trebling of what they made in the previous period, same this previous six month period, the comparable six month period. So 390 million euros. That has driven people demented because only in August was there massive increases in the Electric Ireland uh, electricity price. Sorry, can I just clarify? Yeah, but can I just clarify one thing? The ESP has more than Electric Ireland in it, doesn't it? It does, you know, and to be fair to them, they're saying, look, Electric Ireland's profits weren't up particularly. Uh, they lump in the British um, electricity supply part in there and they lost money in Britain, but it seems to have wiped its nose here in Ireland. But the big game was, gain was on the generation side. And I think particularly on the wind side, Matt, they have a lot of renewables. And as we know, you know, the renewable uh, energy provider gets the same price as the somebody uh, who's operating a, a gas plant generating yeah, so electricity yeah, how does from that, that work Charlie because a lot of people are confused by this and they've been sending in messages saying like hold on I've signed up for uh, green friendly electricity and how come it's going up at the same price as gas fired electricity or oil fired or coal fired electricity yeah I mean a lot of the contracts that that, that these um, renewable renewable generators you know whether it's CSB or others have are under this system where they get the same price the marginal pricing it's called they get the same price for generating electricity as um, you know somebody who's running a a, a gas fired plant and you know as we know gas wholesale gas prices have gone through the roof they're up about 700% and it hasn't been any more expensive for the wind to blow it's the same price now they have a lot of cost to put in a wind farm but but the, the, the contracts they got were really bad contracts. And so they're getting the same price as, as, the, as the gas-fired plant. So that's what's happening there. The newer ones uh, are, are, are not like that. Where, you know, there can be some clawback. And the European Union, of course, is talking about clawing back the exceptional profits that these, the likes yeah, okay. of the wind generators are making, That, But sorry, just to go to the ESB in overall, right? You told us about the profits trebling. The group got revenues of almost 3.7 billion euro in the first half of the year, which is up from 2.2 billion the year before. Now, they're saying the profits are a one-off game from what they call exceptional volatility in global commodity markets, blah, blah. But if the revenues have gone up by 1.5 billion, surely a sizable amount of that comes from increased charges to domestic customers. And if they're making that much profit, did they really need to put up the prices to domestic customers? Well, I put that to the matter. I said, "This hold on a minute here. You guys have had five price increases. You had a price increase in August. You have another one on the way in October. You know, you've, um, and and it's a huge one. Eleven percent in electricity, thirty-two percent in gas. Uh, you know, you, you, the, the the prices you're 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 increasing your prices hugely. I mean, you were talking about the electricity going up by about four hundred euros over a year in August, and about something like you know something similar next month. So. They say to me, hold on a minute here. No, the, the, the supply side, the margins are very, very tight. We're not making big gains here. The gains are on the generation side. And as we've seen, Matt, we, there's an, another uh, supplier on the, on, on the, uh, has pulled out of the market. Yeah. Okay, but Charlie, Charlie, this listener here says, 
Electric Ireland is the supply wing of ESB, but it doesn't make a profit. There are no profits in energy supply. The rest of the ESB props up the supply business. The company invested €532 million in infrastructure and it gives revenue to the government via dividend. Electric Ireland also has a hardship fund, which has given fuel-poor customers around €3 million last year. The bashing of the company is getting tiresome, says this listener. So what about that argument that the profits made by ESB will give dividends to the state, but it also that money is required for reinvestment in the networks? Uh, yeah, Matt, you know, that's the point I was making. You know, they're not making big money on the supply side. As, as, as we can see, the supply business is, is very precarious with, with, with smaller companies in particular pulling out of this market, there's probably will be more to go. They did give a dividend of $126 million last year. That was out of after-tax and exceptional and interest payments were paid. Uh, the, the profit, after you strip out everything out, it was about $191 million. So $126 million out of, 100, out of $191 million means that most of what they had in, in, in the, the profits uh, went to the state. They'll, they'll have to give a higher dividend this year now if they've made an exceptional gain on the energy side. Okay. You know, the chief executive, Paddy Hayes, was talking this morning on Morning Ireland, talking about an anomaly is the phrase he used on the wind side. So they're obviously making exceptional gains from the wind side. And they use, you know, that, but they can't use that generation profit, generate profit okay. they make on the generation side to prop up the other side because it's against the law, apparently, under EU rules. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. Thank you for joining us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.